North Central University. What's up? It is so good to be here. I'm super excited to be in this room. I just want to thank CMN for having me. Uh, we are church planners, and they helped us get to the place that we are. They have planted so many life-giving churches around the world, and so they're incredible. Thank you so much. I would also like to thank President Hagen and all the NCU staff for having me here. I'm privileged to be here to be able to share my story with each of you. Um, I am from Richmond, Virginia, originally from Chicago, home of Harold's Chicken. If you've never had it, you might want it. The sauce is the bomb. Um, I'm super excited though. I'm excited because I left my family because the Lord gave me a word specifically for you. I have a husband. His name is Travis Jones. He's been here before. I have two little girls at home, Jalen, who is 10, Jada, who's six. They, I call them my broke besties. They don't necessarily love that, but they always ask for stuff. So I have to, you know, that's really what it is. But um, like I said, I left home because I do have a word for you. I feel like I've, I've spent some time praying for each of you. I've spent some time praying specifically for this moment and to the significance of this moment. I believe that this room has great potential and purpose sitting in each of these seats. And even those watching from your rooms and those watching in classrooms, there's so much potential. There's so much purpose. And I believe that God has sent me here to give you a word about the significance of rooms. I think about even this room that we're standing in right now. Just a few months ago, this room was a beacon of hope for thousands of people in this community that were grieving. This room has significance. I don't know if you know about you and I don't know your walk of life, but I know that some of us have been in rooms that have caused us great pain, great grief. Sometimes we've questioned if God was there. Sometimes we've questioned if God was hearing us in rooms. I think about this particular narrative. It's found um, in Mark, Mark 5. It's this woman that has an issue with blood. Many of you have heard that story before. This woman that suffered for 12 years with this issue of blood. I can imagine what, she, what her experience was like. Sitting at home, being isolated, struggling, being confused. The Bible says that she used everything she had, everything she had to get well. And she didn't get well until she touched the hem of his garment. And I've heard this story many times being in church, and some of you have heard this a lot as well. If you grew up in church, you hear this story, and the, and the thing that you hear most about this story is that she touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed. That's really what's always the, the big pop of the story. But do we ever think about what happened prior to her touching the hem of his garment? What was it like for her to be home? What was it like to her, for her to experience this great pain that she was going through? And in that time, honestly, in that time, you weren't allowed to be around other people if you struggle with this issue. So she was isolated. She did struggle. And many of you probably could find yourself in that same situation. Many of you probably could put yourself in that story. I know I can. I remember being in a room and being terrified at five years old. It was the first time I thought rooms were dangerous. The first time I thought closed doors were not safe. I was five years old when I was sexually abused by men in my family, men in my community, people that I was supposed to trust, and it continued until I was 15 years old. Rooms were not safe for me. Rooms were scary. Rooms were the places that I felt like I was gripped by fear for the very first time. The significance of a room as a little girl growing up was intense because I never wanted to go in a room by myself because I thought maybe somebody would follow me. I remember the moment that someone walked into my bedroom and picked me up off my red bunk bed and took me into their bedroom rooms. 
are significant, but I know that God meets us there too. And the very first time I realized that the rooms are not always scary. Sometimes there are safe rooms. Sometimes there are rooms that bring healing. So today I want to talk to you just a few moments about rooms that heal and rooms that hurt. Because I think we've all been in those spaces of rooms that cause great hurt. I grew up in a very dysfunctional household. Both my parents were addicts. My father was murdered when I was four years old. And so I didn't grow up with a man that wanted to care and love for me. And so the abuse happened because my mom just really didn't know how to care for me at that time. She didn't know how to be a mom really because she was suffering with her own addiction. And so I went throughout life struggling with this idea of who can I trust? Who, who can I lean into? Is there anybody around me that's gonna bring life? Until one day I entered into a room that was safe. This, I went to this after-school program at a local church, and that's why it's so important for me to be a part of a church plant and to do something like what my husband and I are doing right now because the local church was hope for me. That was when I came out of rooms that were unsafe to rooms that were safe. There was this pastor who would come into our community and he would clean up our yard. And so for weeks on weeks, he would come. And, I, and you know, for me, men were just, they were not trusted for me. I didn't know if I could trust men that were around me. But for some reason, this pastor, he would literally come into my yard, pick up trash, and then leave. And one day I stopped him. I'm like, what are you doing? And he told me that he, and I'm 10 at this time. So, like, who wants to talk to a 10-year-old kid? That? I mean, I'm asking him questions. But he answered me. He was gracious. And so I asked him what he was doing, and he told me that he was a part of a, a group called Adopt-A-Block, and they just wanted to clean up our community. And he invited me to an after-school program. And so I attended this after-school program, and in the hallway of the after-school program, I gave my life to the Lord. That was a life-changing moment for me because the gospel was never presented to me in a way that I could understand. In fact, my family didn't even go to church. We lived across the street from the church, but we never went to the church. And so when the gospel was presented to me so that for the very first time, I found a place that felt safe. I was literally at the church building every single day. No one knew that I was going home to the boogeyman. I was going home to unsafe places, but I would go because it felt like hope to me. It felt like I could find my way out. And so I found myself at this church, the gospel being presented to me, people telling me that God was going to do something in my life. And now I'm from, I'm from kind of a, a, a ghetto area, and so behind my house was literally gang rivals. And so I'm hearing gunshots throughout the night. But in my mind, I went to this church, and they offered me hope. I went to this local church that didn't know anything about me, and they offered me hope. And so I continued to go, and there's where I felt like the Lord was calling me to do something great. And I didn't know exactly what that looked like. And so years went on, and I still struggled, and I still had these issues, and I still had people doing things to me. And eventually, I got to a point where I was tired. I was done. I couldn't do this anymore. I couldn't live in unsafe rooms anymore. And so I remember standing at my front door, somebody standing behind me, and I opened up the door, and I ran out, and I ran to this pastor's house. And I just told him everything that was going on, and he invited me to come and be a part of his family, and that's my life changed forever because of that moment. Because rooms that I thought were not safe led me to rooms that were safe. And God brought healing to my life because of a local church that said yes to a little girl that lived in the middle of the ghetto. And I, and you know, to me, and I didn't, honestly, I wasn't 
going to share it this way, but I feel like there's some people in this room that maybe that's your experience or maybe it isn't, but you know somebody in your life that have had maybe similar experiences and maybe the local church has not been a thing that, that you've been like, this is what I want to be a part of, but I'll tell you what, my life literally was transformed by the power of God because somebody said yes to a call. Somebody said yes to a little girl that they knew nothing about and they invited me in to a room that was safe. And that's when I stepped into a room that brought healing. And I can imagine if I put myself in this story with this woman with the issue of blood, 12 years she suffered. Nobody really knew. It doesn't tell us much detail about who she talked to, who her people were, the people that she was around. She wasn't really around a ton of people because of her issue. But I can imagine suffering for 12 years with this issue. And that one moment changed the trajectory of her life. Because in her mind, if I could just get close to Jesus, if I could just get real close and I touch not even his skin, but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. That's a powerful statement. I'll be made whole if I just touch the hem of his garment. And for me, that was what changed my life. I came close to Jesus. Somebody invited me into this space where I can meet this God who could radically change my life. And does that mean that everything just ended, that life was just so beautiful after that? Absolutely not. I still had family members that were struggling in addiction. I still had to walk this out with struggles of my own. You know, when you, when you are living in a traumatic space for years upon years, I think people, and because people would tell me all the time, God's gonna do something great with your story, God's gonna do this, and I didn't believe it. Because to me, my issues disqualified me from the call of God. To me, I thought, you know, I can't do anything great. Somebody's used me, somebody's done this, that, my family's a mess, I can't do anything great. And so I was disqualified. I disqualified myself. But I know that God, in the midst of my struggle, he was bringing healing for moments like this, for moments that I get to stand before you. It wasn't because I did something phenomenal, something great, but I allowed myself to walk into the healing room. I didn't allow my circumstances to, to make me feel like I need to be isolated and not care. I think sometimes, and I've been in church long, for a long time, that we allow stigmas and we allow other people and their voices to speak into the area of our life that they know nothing about. And so sometimes we don't step into that healing place because we're afraid of what other people are going to think. I'll tell you guys today that I've spent many, many years listening to the voices of other people and what they thought about me and what they thought about my story. And I'll tell you right now, I am okay to be vulnerable in this moment because I trust that God is going to do something great with the story that he's written in my life. That may be you. You may look at your life and you're like, man, I can't do anything because of what I've done. I've talked to teenagers who have, you know, lived their lifestyle a certain way and they've been in the church and they've done all these things and they're like, I can't do anything great because of what I've done. That couldn't be any further from the truth because God wants to use your story. Your story may look totally different than my story, but he wants to use your story to help rescue 10 year old girls like me. I don't know your story. I don't know what you guys have walked through, but I also know that God can use whatever you are. He can use whatever you've been through to help heal someone else. 
And that's what this family has done. They're still a part of my life at this point. In fact, I moved in with another family when I was 16 years old, and they walked me through the healing journey as well. And so I've been through a lot. I've walked with a lot of people in this process, and I think that's the joy of being in the faith is that God places people in your life, not to replace the people that you've had, but to help walk you through this journey of healing. And so I stepped into this healing room not knowing what would unfold, not knowing what my life would look like. And here I am at 34 years old in a completely different place than I was back 10 years ago. Because I walked into the healing room and I said yes to God. I've lived the life of being in unsafe rooms. I've lived the life of being in rooms that hurt me. And now like this woman with the issue of blood, all I need to do is reach out and extend my hand and touch the hem of his garment and be made whole. And that's work. That's not easy. It's not going to be like a light switch that goes off and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm good. Everything's good. I trust God. No, it's a process. You got to put forth work. You got to talk. You got to be vulnerable. You got to go to therapy. That's okay too. It's okay to do some things that may be a little bit unconventional, but I'm in a space in my life right now. I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but I know that I trust God to continue to bring healing to my life. So there's a few things I want to share with you this morning. Just a few truths that I feel like are good to stand on. One, you are not disqualified from the promises of God and his plan for your life because of your past, because of your issues, or your current diagnosis. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've been thinking and processing. I don't know what your life feels like right now. Many of you are probably sitting in this room or watching online, and depression has hit you like never before, and nobody knows about it. You're not disqualified. God can still use someone like you. I disqualify myself. I told myself I couldn't do anything great. I had dreams. It's not like I didn't have dreams. And when I was a little girl, my dream was to get out of the hood. But as I got older, I had dreams to do great things. And I'll tell you this, I'm standing in the moment that I only dreamed about. I'm, sta I'm literally standing in the moment that were in my dreams. And I didn't even know that they could come true because I told myself I couldn't do it because of my issues, because of my past, because of my family that I wouldn't be able to do this. And I know we've heard this before, but God's delay doesn't mean it's his denial. His delay does not mean it's his denial. Sometimes you gotta wait. Honestly, sometimes you gotta sit in the waiting room while you're in the midst of sitting in the hurting room because he's preparing a place for you. His delay is not his denial. He's working on your behalf even right now. I'll tell you this. About six and a half years ago, I remember struggling greatly, um, just set in moments of depression. And part of it, I thought, maybe was because of my circumstances. I thought because of my issues and what I was walking through, um, that depression was hitting me. And that's why. And so we went, I went to a therapist. I saw my therapist once a week. And we just kind of walked this thing out together. And she monitored me for a whole year. I was telling some guys earlier that the moment I knew that something was wrong is I spent four days awake straight, never closing my eyes for one second. I cleaned my house. I washed all the dishes. I washed all the clothes. I went for a long walk. Honestly, I love to clean, but I don't love to clean for four days. And so I knew that there was an issue. I knew that I needed to figure out what was going on. And it was no longer just depression. It was no longer just anxiety. So as my counselor and I talked for a while, she sent me to a psychiatrist. And after a year long of my psychiatrist following me, they diagnosed me with bipolar disorder. 
that radically changed what I thought about my life yet again. Here I am, this girl that's been through so much trauma, and now all of a sudden I get this diagnosis that I know nothing about. The only time I heard about bipolar disorder was when I was watching Law & Order SVU, for real. Like, I knew nothing about it, only what I saw on TV. And so as my, my psychiatrist starts to tell me a little bit more about what this meant for my life, what I was gonna have to do, what the process was, I began to think through like, okay, this could either tank me or take me. And what am I gonna allow it to do? And what I discovered is that even though I have this illness, it does not have me. I get to control what happens from here on. And I think sometimes the labels that we get over ourselves, the labels that we allow either doctors or anybody to put over us, sometimes they become the thing that dictate the next move we make. It doesn't control me, I control it. And there are moments where I'll tell you that I will sit in my room and I feel like I can't even get out of my bed. There's moments that I wake up in the morning and my kids are coming in and they're asking me to make them breakfast and I have to muster up every ounce of strength I have to get out of my bed to help my family. But I know that there is purpose in my pain. And so if I, could, if I sit there and I don't do anything, that's taken away from what God is doing in me. And so I push myself. Bipolar disorder is not fun. Depression, anxiety is not fun. And sometimes we put mask over it, literally, we put mask over it. And we pretend like it's all good and that, you know, I, I sit in church with many people and I have conversations with people and if I were not vulnerable and come on stage and say, I have bipolar disorder, I get it, people probably wouldn't tell me what they're walking through. But I think through our vulnerability, people are able to say, yeah, me too, I'm walking through the same thing. And we're afraid to do that sometimes. I've had conversations with people from church that tell me, you know, I never talked about my mental health because I thought, you know, maybe God just didn't want me to do that and that if I prayed hard enough, it would go away. Just know that there are broken people in the world that it doesn't just get fixed like that. It's not just like a snap of a finger and I pray, lay hands on you. I believe 100% that the God that I serve could heal me right in this moment. But I also believe that God can use my story and my struggles to help somebody else, even in this room, to walk through their own issues. Your pain is not to destroy you. Your pain is to prepare you and to propel you to the places that God wants to take you. And so if you choose to use it, God can use you to move mountains. I'm telling you, I've talked to hundreds of people that have struggled with mental health, that have been through abusive situations, and honestly, they are afraid. They don't know what to do, and the church sometimes have alienated them and made them feel like they shouldn't. But God wants to use your story. God wants to use my story. God wants to use you to help change someone else's life, and we're afraid to do that. We're afraid to do it, and I know that I know that I know that there's people watching online or there's people in this room that maybe you resonate with something that I've said, that maybe you resonate with maybe the struggle of mental health, or maybe you know somebody who struggled with mental health. But like this woman that struggled with an issue of blood, she, she didn't just stop at, I'm struggling, I've struggled for 12 years, I'm just gonna give up. Sometimes that's what we do, right? Like we, we struggle, and after a certain amount of time, if nothing changes, we just give up. She said, if I could just get close to Jesus, she knew he was coming. She knew he was going to be there. If I could just get close, if I could get close to Jesus, I know I can be made whole. And she was, and we don't hear anything else. We don't hear anything else about this woman, but we hear that this woman who struggled for so long, she knew if she got close to the only one that can make a difference, 
she would be made whole. That needs to be our response today. That needs to be our response every single day. That no matter where I am, no matter what my struggle is, no matter what I've been through, if I just allow myself to take that next step forward and get close to Jesus and not just close in what I say, but like take active steps to get near him, I will push my way. I'm going to tell you what, like there are days where I literally have to wake up and push my way to get near him. Because what mental illness wants me to think, what depression wants me to think is that I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. Depression's going to kill me. I remember a few years ago, I've never shared this with a crowd. This is the first time. A few years ago, probably about two, I was leading worship at church. I was struggling because I woke up that morning and it was just hard for me to breathe. I woke up that morning just suffering, but I had to do what I had to do. I had to get up there. I had to lead people in worship and I love to worship. But I was struggling and I went home and I contemplated suicide probably for the first time. And it wasn't just I'm thinking about it. It was, I have nothing left. I'm tired. My life is more, worth more than that. Your life is worth more than that. Depression wanted me to believe that the end of my life was in that moment that I wasn't worthy enough to receive the love that God was offering to me for free, that I wasn't worthy enough for healing. And, and the reality is that I knew in my head what was true. But sometimes when you suffer like this woman for so long, you just feel like giving up. And so I, I went home and, and the first response for me was, what am I gonna do? How do I respond to what I'm feeling deep inside of myself? So I told my husband, and I reached out to a mentor, and I gave them the plan. I told them what I was thinking about, what was on my mind. It took a lot of vulnerability for me to do, because I would rather just say, you know what, forget it, I'm just done. But I can't tell you today that your pain is for purpose. I can't tell you today that God is going to use what you've experienced the pain that you've walked through, the experiences you've had, the things you've even seen in this world over the last six months, that God's going to use it for his glory if you allow him to, if I don't do it myself. And so I stand here today vulnerable, and I'm telling you that you're enough, that you're worthy, that even though we know that we know that we know that God loves and cares for each and every one of you and what you've walked through in your life, but he wants to use the rooms that hurt you to take you to a room that's going to heal you. Maybe everything I've said today you don't relate to 100%, but I can guarantee you that every person in this room and watching online have experienced some rooms that hurt, that we've been in rooms that have caused us great pain. But today God is offering you a space, a room that can bring great healing to you. So that you can go out into the world and whatever you do, whether you're a pastor, you're a doctor, whatever you do from this moment on, that you can use your story, your journey, your pain to bring purpose to someone else's life. He's a faithful God. I've watched him do it in my life. And honestly, like I said, I'm, 
I'm standing in my purpose right now. The things I've dreamed about, I'm standing in it. It doesn't get any better than this. It's amazing that I'm standing in a room talking to each of you and I only dreamed about this when I was a little girl. Because God's used the rooms that hurt to bring healing. And he wants to do that in you today. So we're going to enter into a time of worship. And I know that we can't respond how we would do normally and stand at the altar. But you can make an altar at your seat. And if that's you, you can talk to him. You have access to him just like I do. And so take the next few moments as we enter into a time of worship to just meet with your God. I want to pray for you. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of each student in this room and watching online. Father, we thank you for the call that you've placed on each of their lives and where you're going to take them in life. And God, I pray in this moment that you begin to heal the places of our hearts that we've closed off, the places of our hearts that have been hurt. Bring healing and wholeness, God, in this moment as we worship your name. In Jesus' name, amen.